it's relational. I think too often I probably thought of it as religion. Hmm. And then my discovery, and this is an ongoing discovery. You don't one day wake up and it's all there, but you're discovering the reality that the God of the universe came into the world for a reason. And that reason was to make us a fit dwelling place for his spirit. Welcome to the Center Memphis Podcast. I'm your host, Brantley Davidson. Um, we're here on this cold Friday morning here um, for our first Lesson in Leadership episode. Um, we're excited to have Executive Director of the Center of Memphis, Howard Graham, here with us, as well as Larry Jensen, um, who um, is with uh, Cushman and Wakefield. He's been there for, we were just actually talking about it. he's been there for a while. Maybe I'll let you share the, the years later. I'm in a bit, Larry, but he's also highly involved in the city of Memphis, and there's lots of fun, passionate conversations I think that we're going to get into here in just a bit. But before we do that, um, if you're new or returning, remember that um, thecentermemphis.org is your hub for all of our great content, um, as well as just um, how you can get plugged in um, with us at The Center Memphis. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at The Center Memphis, um, as well as on YouTube, where you can watch um, lots of different great content, as well as this episode, episode if uh, video or YouTube is your channel of choice. So, Howard. Um, let's get into talking with Larry and his experience in Memphis and just some lessons of leadership with him. Yeah, it's so great to have him today. He is a leader of leaders, and he uh, takes that very seriously. He's been led. I think we'll hear about that. He has uh, experienced things. He has, is now chairman of Cushman Wakefield, and he had uh, turned that over in the last few years as CEO. Uh, he may even shared that, but he, will, he has, uh, has been chairman of the chamber. He is on the Tennessee Board of Education. Hmm. He is chairman of the Methodist uh, Foundation, Methodist Hospital Foundation, and is constantly looking at what our city ought to do tomorrow. He actually led a project uh, that uh, Second Presbyterian Church and others participate in called the Shalom Project mm -hmm. to seek the peace of our city, and we're going to hear about that today. But he's also the kind of leader, and even though he has his own people he's bringing up, uh, three kids and uh, seven grandchildren currently that he knows and uh he is a growing family but he takes the time to pour into others including arresting me one day as my wife had been praying i had had more uh, mentors uh she he called me and said i need you to i need you to come see me and i came to see him and he said how's your wife and are you supporting her and it was just a great day uh for us as uh, and, and helped me know that but larry uh, you've been teaching this week at the center and we were so grateful uh, so welcome, and I just would love to hear, tell us about, you've talked about three cans, you've talked about a pit and in and out, tell, tell, us, tell us how you got here mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, how God's used you a little bit. Thank you, Howard. I, um, I was, uh, you know, it's interesting because you're, you, you have to think of life as a journey. And there are times when we fall and when we uh, mess up. And the question is, are we going to get up and keep going? And that can be major failures. It can be minor failures. One of the images that helps me to think about it as a, as a young man in my um, probably late 20s, I was um, not doing real well. <laughs> in fact, 
I was living my own life like I wanted to, I guess. I had, you know, an external that was, I was probably would fall into the hypocrite category. Uh, You know, had a duality about my life that was, uh, was actually pretty destructive. And um, there's an image in in the Psalms about um, digging pits, you know, that you uh, think it's Psalm 7 that's about, you find yourself in a pit, literally, not literally in the dirt, but in life, you're, it, it, it's just a mess. Yeah. And um, I always tell people, I say, one of the first things you do when you realize that you're in a pit is, um, is to stop digging. And, and, uh, and I can tell you without, without a doubt, Psalm, the Psalms are clearly about this, that that God redeemed my life from the pit. You know, it wasn't an overnight deal. It was over a period of time I began to understand the reality of following Jesus on a daily basis. And I always, you know, uh, my understanding was I, a lot of it was about behavior, and I thought, well, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. And what what and it is about behaviors because they are hurtful and and you use people and you but the most important thing that I think I learned in that time frame was that the the our our purpose in life is is to know Jesus and when we know him we also come to understand I came to understand over a period of time that not only do you know him but that in Colossians 1, 25 through 27, it says that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. That that the God of the universe, and I'm just like got to step back and ask yourself this, is this really true that the God of the universe will, will and does live on the inside of me? Yeah. And what difference does that make? Um, I mean, I have to stop even to today and say God's on the inside of me. Hmm. Well, one of the things that I, that I think about in my pit digging days, I had a philosophy that was along the lines of, you know, get all you can, can all you can get, and then sit on the can. And what's down in that pit. Do what? There are cans down in that yeah, pit. Yeah, well, you could. Uh, well, furthermore, probably when you're at the bottom of the pit sitting on the can, you put your hands underneath your, you know, so that, <laughs> and, and you wake up one day and go, this is not living. Because you spent all this energy, you know, trying to get stuff to get in that can. And then you're always protecting. You're always, you know, somebody's going to take it away from me or they're, or, or they're out against me and, and, that's no way to live. Yeah. And so when, you know, when Jesus calls us, he, he wants us, I think he wants us to know him. That's the first priority. And in that knowing of him over time, it's relational. I think too often I probably thought of it as religion. Hmm. And then my discovery, and this is an ongoing discovery. You don't one day wake up and it's all there, but you're discovering the reality that the God of the universe came into the world for a reason. And that reason was to make us a fit dwelling place 
for his spirit. He had to bust up a lot of religion to do that. Exactly. And so the freedom that comes with that, to me, has been phenomenal, you know. And I hadn't got it all figured out, and I'm still struggling, and I still dig pits, and I still find myself filling the can up. But God, the Holy Spirit's working all the time to to set us free from that that self-determination or whatever. What are the, some of the things, uh, the spiritual revelation, that Psalm uh, it's 103, 4, you know, that he redeems your life from the pit. Right. And what a gracious God, even the Psalms to cover that we put ourselves in a pit. He takes us out of them. Uh, that's so wonderful. What are some of the things God used to help bring you out of the pit? Uh, people, scriptures, moments. Uh, yeah. Well, I think people definitely, you know, uh, and uh, I, uh, especially – in my own life, I, my, my dad died when I was 19, and I, there was a big void there. And it was amazing. Over the next 10 years or so, the number of men that God sent into my life um, that began to speak into my life. Um, I, I, I think of two of them in particular. One was... Um, man named Frank Norfleet. Frank was a leader in the city, and uh, Frank was, uh, his secretary would call me and say, Mr. Norfleet wants to see you on Monday. Well, I mean, he was the chairman of this and the president of that, and here I'm a young guy in business in town, and I, whoa, okay, I'm gonna, Mr. Norfleet wants to see me, so, you know, and, and he, it was, it was not programmatic with him, it was relational. He was a follower of Jesus, and he, he just simply wanted to know where I was in my life. And invariably, when I would go in there, his first question was, how's Lisa doing, my wife? And, uh, well, she's fine. And, you know, probably sometimes I didn't really know because yeah. I'd been so focused on myself. I didn't really know. And, uh, and so he taught me to to care for my wife in a way from from a Christian perspective, from a relational perspective. And he just challenged me to think. And here I'm looking at this guy who was very successful. I mean, he had – and yet he had time to call me up and say, hey, come by, I want to visit with you. Yeah. And, and it was just, you know, I, that, that cannot help but touch your life. I mean, you know. And that question about what does your spouse think – it's so disarming because you say, well, I'm tough, I'm good, but my, my, my wife's worried about this. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 there, there was another man that, and, and there were, as I said, there were a number of them, but another man, Herbert Ray, who was uh, really, you know, was, both of those guys are, are with Jesus now, but um, Herbert would, I was in his office one time talking about my business, and this was a business meeting, and, and, uh, and he looked at me and he says, have you talked to Lisa about this? And I looked at him kind of funny and I thought, why in the world is he asking me this question? And I said, well, no, she's not interested in all this. And, and, well, you need to talk to her about it. Well, you know, Herbert, she's just really not. And so he had a file on his desk and, you know, he picked the file up and he closed it and he put it over on the side of the desk and says, when you talk to her, you come back and we'll talk some more. And I was like, Beautiful. wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait uh, meeting's over. 
Good mentors will tell you no. Yeah. Good mentors will send you to where you need to go. Exactly. Well, so, you know, I said, okay, Herbert. I, and so I went and talked to Lisa, and I kind of sometime not too long came back smugly, you know, and said, I told you she wasn't interested. He looked at me and he said, let me tell you something. I'm not surprised she wasn't interested. But she's interested in you. And she wants to know what's going on in your life. And he said, and furthermore, if you will listen to her, God will protect you. That sense or what, I don't know how, but so I've learned to ask Lisa what, uh, and, uh, about what she thinks yeah. or what she feels about it, probably more of what she feels about it. Yeah. And she's, you know, I don't know how many times out of 10, but I'd say it's up in the upper quartile of how many times she's been right. About, and, and I've learned to listen to her, and I really do believe that God has used her to, to as another voice, and it's included her in in things and so i think about those two men and and they didn't have to do what they were doing but they cared and they were doing it because they loved jesus and somebody did it for them i always i tell people i say i'm not afraid to get to heaven and be judged because god says you know you're there's no condemnation amen but but i am afraid to get there and walk in and and have herbert come up to me and go, well, did you, how'd you do on doing that for other people? Uh, well, uh, I, I don't want that. So uh, I, I've lived out that his uh, request that if I do this for you, will you do it for somebody else? And I've I, I spent a good bit of time over the years sitting down with, with, with guys and saying, hey, how are you doing? Tell me what's going on. How are you walking with Jesus? How's your wife doing? How are your kids doing? Um. And I did it because somebody cared about me. Awesome. So, and, and I think that's what Jesus would do. I think, you know, he would, he, would, uh, he would love in that way. He's so good to us. He redeems our life out of the pit. He cleans us up. He gets us ready. And he sends people into our lives to guide us. He's not, right. you know, the relationship with him is first. He's in you, uh, like you talked about. And he gives us these common grace things of wisdom, his people, to keep guiding us. And then you talked a lot about what we do with it, about seeking the welfare of our city. So, yeah. so now that we know we're redeemed, so we get there, and uh, what, 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 do you, what do we do with it? What have you done with, with it, if you've talked about with your gift of that? Well, I hope, you know, I've, I've, I've prayed many, many times. Lord, I don't know what you do, but use me today. Mm. And I've never had a bucket list of I want to be this or I want to be that. But I've made myself available in the community to be a part of, of things. Um, there is Jeremiah 29.7. We're told, commanded, to seek the welfare of the city and pray for it. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Uh, that's paraphrased, but Jeremiah 29.7, if you want to exact, go read it. Yeah. But here's the point. It's interesting to me the order of that. It says, but seek the welfare and pray for it. Now, why would the Holy Spirit, why wouldn't he say, pray for the city and seek its welfare? That's how we kind of think, right? Yeah. But he's saying, get up off your rear end. <laughs> and that was the message to me at that time. Was you need to go engage 
somewhere. And I, I think it ought, it ought to be where you have some passion. Yeah. Um, but, but, and it doesn't have to be the chairman of this or the chairman of that. It can be as simple as mentoring a kid or being a, a coach on a football team or just, but, but seek the welfare. That word there is shalom. Which is the peace, the well-being, the fullness for people, and and I think we are salt and light. We're called to be salt and light in the world, and we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, you know, <clears throat> you can't sit on that can. You got to get up off your can, yeah. and 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 find some things that you're passionate about. And say, well, I don't. How do you how do you have time to do all that? We well, just make it part of your life. You know. Uh, I guarantee you if there's a – I had a guy tell me years ago, you know, he was talking, I was talking about volunteering or doing something, and he said, well, if I do that, I couldn't play golf four times a week. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you could play two. Yeah, yeah. You know, nobody's going to take your golf away. But instead of playing four days a week, maybe you could give those other two four-hour segments. To <laughs> yeah, and then your life's enriched. How has right, your life been enriched right. by doing it? How is it? Why is it better than two – two golf rounds well i think that that verse it says in in its welfare you will find your welfare there's a there's a strange paradox there that as we're seeking the welfare of other people and we're loving and caring for other people kind of our needs are met you know and i mean it's i don't know how to explain it other than there's just a great joy and satisfaction in knowing that you're one you're doing what jesus wants you to do being obedient following him doing what you think He's given you to do that he would do. Yeah. I think that's there's great joy there. I think there's as you have an impact on something somewhere that you there's a joy that comes with that because you're not living, you know, you're you got your can and you're handing stuff out of your can rather than trying to hold it all. Yeah. And I, I think that your can keeps getting filled um, because you are living out, not living in. So it's. You know, we have to get our interior right, and that's in our relationship to Jesus in order for our exterior to make any sense. Mm. Otherwise, if you're trying to always take and make exterior what you want it to be, you, you're never going to find it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, you're wasting your time. Mm. And if you, we can understand, I, I can't tell you how many guys I know that my peers are a little bit older that, you know, they spend all their lives getting all they can and they and they're not happy their kids don't like them i mean you know can't not that comfortable when you sit uh -uh. so it's i just think there's a giving and a and a that's what if you lose your life jesus said you will find it Mm -hmm. go figure that out you know if if you seek the welfare of the city outside you will find your welfare think about that yeah, seed falls to the ground and dies, and then and, and out and it, it comes at hundreds of times what it yeah. was. So uh, we live in a world that I don't think understands the dilemma that we're in. You know that we're because we're told go get this and get more of it, and that'll be it. Well, show me where that works. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for satisfaction, I mean, it's like getting a brand new car, you know, mm-hmm. go get the new car. It's great. Smells great for six months. And then what? It's not a new car anymore, yeah. you know, and and I don't have anything against new cars. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that when we're trying to find our satisfaction and our fulfillment, 
it, we are meant to be in relationship with Jesus, and that is eternal life. That's what we're told in John 17. This is eternal life, to know God and the only true God and His Son, Jesus Christ. That is eternal life, and eternal life starts right now. We're living in eternal life right now. The one who made us wants a relationship now. That's right. Mm-hmm. Not, I'll get to it when I get older or... You know, when I die, I mean, he wants us to walk with him as his dwelling place in the earth today. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Beautiful, beautiful. I want to I wanna close back <clears throat> close to that, but I want to let's just talk practical for a minute. So somebody says, I understand. I need to seek the peace of the city. What are some of the practical needs of our cities right now? We had a pandemic, kids not in school. But hmm. name the ones you see the biggest. Well, I mean, education, obviously, and, and we've got a gap that is devastating to me for, I think, early childhood, you know, getting kids, if, if you don't get their brain developed by the time they're three years old, you're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. And so I have served in the last 20 years in some form or fashion in the, in the education space. And there are lots of places where volunteers can be both at the front line mentoring or tutoring kids, but also in leadership of, of charter schools or run for the Board of Education. Oh, I haven't got time for that. That's such a mess down there. Well, that's why yeah. you need to be there is because we're, we're called. I currently serve on the State Board of Education, and there are two or three things that I'm most interested in there. One is uh, career and training, career and uh, uh, technical education because I think there are a whole lot of people we have not done a good service for getting them prepared for for good jobs mm-hmm. that don't require a four-year college degree yeah and so I, that's been a passion and I think we've got to understand that those there are, that's a love proposition to that group of people to, yeah. to say we are gonna work this until we get um, until we get that, that career and technical education where we're serving 50% of the kids. And it, it, that's one thing. The second thing that I've been working on and really pushing trying to get is broadband to the mm-hmm. premises. Because if we're going to be in this kind of – there are lots of people who don't have that access. And I just think that's a – it's kind of like in the 30s not having uh, electric power to your house. Right. You know, how can you have a 21st century education uh, system and have people that don't have that access? The gap matters. It's, it's, a, it's an inequity that's solvable, yeah. that we can solve that. Um, and and then, that, then I think there's also, you know, we've got to understand that, that kids K to 3, if they don't know how to read by the time they get to the third Great. The, 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 it's, you got to read to learn because the curriculum flips over in the third grade and you read, you learn to read first and then you read to learn. And if you hadn't learned to read, it's hard to read to learn. Does that so, so important. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to plug a couple, Arise to Read. Yep. Norman, exactly. Incredible. A group that everybody can volunteer with and we get that more in our neighborhoods all the better we get it on a back porch until the pandemic over it doesn't matter we can do it and there's a neighborhood christian center that's serving families right. and there's icon and nathan street that are mentoring yes you, you can google 
you know, mentoring and reading in these places, and, and you can get involved. And I guarantee you call them this afternoon and say, I want to – you'll be down there on uh, uh, tomorrow, you know, to, to, to be a mentor. And I just think that's – you know, that's two things that I'm pretty passionate about, uh, you, you know, that, that I think we've got to understand what the implications of that are. Awesome. And the church, the, 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 the believers need to, you know, this is, this is our mm-hmm. place is to love people in a practical way. And that's, to me, pretty practical. Wait, that's not just an hour and a half thing on Sunday or maybe no. Wednesday night. What, <clears throat> tell me what the church. The lifestyle. The church, all of life. Yeah. It's all to of go out. You know, church, you go, you know, I uh, heard years ago that, you know, the church is, a, is, a, um, is, is not a rest home for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Praise the Lord. And and so I think we go there, to, you know, we go to church to get recharged and to be encouraged so that we can go out the other six days of the week and, and be Jesus' hands and feet and salt and light in the world. That's that's our purpose. Awesome. And that's, so as we fill our purpose to be his witness, to be salt and light, to seek the peace of the city, you mentioned his purpose in us is to know him better and to trust him. Right. Close with how do we, how does doing those things help us trust him more? Well, I think you see the reality. I mean, you, you sense his spirit inside mm. of you, the reality of his spirit working from the inside out. And, and like, you just know you're, you just have a sense that this is what God wants me to do. And you, that, that presence becomes more real mm. because you're obeying and following and loving and, and, and it just rises up on the inside of you. You're being what you're made to be. Right. And you're, you really are connected to to who made you and what he made you for. And, and I think, again, it's a lifetime process. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a journey. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think that, but, but, it, but he wants to live on the inside of us and live out of us in a way that, that changes us, but also impacts other people. Yeah. Larry. That's helpful, and it's wisdom, and God has placed in you wisdom, and we're grateful for you, and thanks for sharing this week. You're welcome. And uh, thanks for sharing this morning. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Larry for joining us and speaking this week, as well as just breaking down and and even adding some additional color, I think, to some of the stuff that we heard um, throughout the week. Howard, what are some of the the big things that you heard from Larry that that impacted you and are – for me, it was motivating. So how is it motivating you? You're just so grateful. There's this thing we talk about spirituality and being redeemed from the pit that way. And so I saw Psalm 103.4, and he mentioned it. But God gives us all these little daily analogies from a sunrise to a, your work. Oh, you're, you're digging yourself your own pit. And that's, and that's Psalm 715. You're, and, you, and you dig yourself a pit. And we, he gives us life to know him better. He gives us, some of us have kids, we really understand how that helps us know him better. We really understand that our work and everything we do, as we're digging our own pit, he's taking us out of these little pits we dig, he's taking out of these big pit, pits he dig, and he's taking us to eternal life uh, to be his. And it's just so encouraging that even the daily parts of life um, are helping us see how he re- redeems, he cares about every part of us. He's inside of us, so, right. so encouraging. Yeah. One of the things that I really liked was with, with the concept of the welfare, seeking the welfare of the city that we just listened to and talked through and sort of connecting with Larry's story of mentorship 
and doing things with people relationally here right now, but then also how that motivated and led him to seek the welfare. And one of the things he said this morning to us even was, you can't do this alone. Not only do you need Mm. the Holy Spirit to do it with you, but you need a community of people, of brothers, to also seek the city with you and figure out how to do it together. Yeah, he's such a relationship guy from the very beginning. Yeah. Let us make man in our image. We have a relationship God. He wants a relationship with us, and he wants to use relationships to encourage us to know him better. And sort of in closing, maybe as we're summarizing this, one thing that I've heard Larry speak a couple times, whether it's at Nexus or a couple, um, you know, just community sessions or even this morning, and I always come away, I feel like I hear something new about Memphis every time. And it's it's motivating as well as I just – I. Uh, and uh, confessing that it's like, man, I need to get off my can more. And so I think one of the things even for folks that were here this morning or throughout the week um, um, at the center or maybe even listening from afar is that we did mention mention some some specifics where you can get off your can, for instance, and start doing things right now and starting to seek that welfare. And so if you're sort of feeling like I am motivated and passionate about maybe even trying to figure out what your passion is, the best way is to start right now. So get started. If you we listed some in the middle of the podcast, but you can you can email us and contact us at the centermemphis.org and we'll we'll plug you up yeah. for sure. It's awesome. Well, Howard, what are we uh, what are we going to be looking into and learning next week? Next week, it ties right into it. You know, we're, we've we've looked at our purpose. We've looked at uh, how we live out our lives. We looked at values. We've looked at a vision for that. And everybody's uh, we're, now we're kind of in our current realities. And by the way, uh, you we, we we recap every time so you can come and understand that. But this week uh, is a great week. To, to come for the first time or to follow up because we're going to be looking at the truth that there's enough. Mm. The truth that God has got it. There's enough, actually are enough resources uh, for the things God has put on your heart. There's enough time. There is. There's enough love. And God's not holding out on us. He's given us everything. And somehow we want that one thing we can't have. We try to make ourselves, oh, we need, oh, we could be God-like. And that is our little but we're going to specifically look at all that's ahead of us, all that God has given us to live out the way he's called us to live. Uh, it's abundant, mm. and it's gracious, and it is encouraging uh, to know these things. So we, we, we really hope to leave this week with everybody you know, high-fiving and jumping all the way out of here, pandemic safe, of course. <laughs> well, uh, stick with us. Um, subscribe, rate um, the podcast. Uh, go to the centermemphis.org, sign up for an in-person uh, Zoom uh, group session, in-person session or Zoom session, or even a one-on-one if you're interested in sort of talking through all of these things with someone. Uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. 